Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, a wonderful uh, journalist, writer, and uh, producer. He does a little bit of everything. BeachumJournal.com. If you're not driving, uh, check it out. You'll see some wonderful writing by this gentleman. Frank Beecham is my very special guest. Hey, Frank, how are you? Uh, good. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, well, listen, let's let's do a little bit of your history. I, I've I've been reading you for a while, and I love you. I love your thoughts. You write a lot about music and, and all kinds of things, and you, you, you share your opinions. Uh, you know, I'm not sure everyone knows your history. I certainly don't. Uh, where were you born? Where were you raised? Well, I, I'm from a little town in South Carolina, about 3,000 people. It's called Honeypet. Nobody's ever heard of it, so uh, <laughs> don't feel bad. Um I uh, struggled to leave there when I was a kid. I worked at the local radio station, won a scholarship, went to journalism school, and got out of that. And um, I was lucky enough to um, go to the 1968 Chicago Democratic Convention, where they gave me a year's credit at journalism school. Wow. Um, And then I ended up working for United Press. Gannett Newspaper, the Miami Herald, the Washington Post Company. Um, and then I got tired of being a, um, a regular reporter. Um, and I started a company in uh, the mid-'70s to do video when they came in to the networks. And um, that company um, went on to have about five crews. We worked for all the networks, and we worked around the world, 27 countries, I did a few presidential trips, um, you know, was in a lot of wars, that kind of thing. Then I went to L.A., and um, I'm ashamed to say it, but I um, I did all the production for Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. <laughs> hey, don't be, don't well, be and ashamed. The re- and the reason that happened, I didn't know the name of the show, but I was asked <laughs> to um, put together a um, uh, the first inter-format editing room between Betacam and um, and and one inch tape and um, that was the show we ended up doing and I um, it was a bit like the producers um, I was I, I never thought it would ever be a hit and it turned out to be a big hit and um, as a result of that and of a lot of problems I had I ended up getting out of video and going back to being a writer which I've been ever since and I've been now, and uh, that was in L.A. I've been in New York City now for oh about 25 years. So I'm um, I'm I'm happy doing what I like to do, which is basically be a writer. I cre- I find stories that I like to do. I auction them uh, for films. I write books. I write articles. Um, I do a lot of different kinds of work because you kind of have to these days to to make money as a writer. Um, I use social media, and the reason you, I think you discovered me was I use social media because there's no longer the print publications um, to, to get your name out there. So I use social media basically to, uh, to keep my name in front of people, and uh, it generates work. That's simple. No, listen, no question. It's It's been a great career. I mean, you've been at it for a long time, and the fact that you've survived in something like journalism is, is just amazing. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been uh, without a real job as a freelancer since 1975. 
Wow. And that's um, wow. that's a long time, and I um, I don't know how I did it. Uh, sometimes I, I I I can't believe it, but um, that's uh, that's just the way it worked for me. Uh, I've also been very lucky in that I came around at a good time. I don't know how to explain to anyone today how to do the same thing because it's a different world. Um, and uh, but I've been fortunate and. Uh, well, you know, I, I try to try to make it all work. Well, one of the things I, I, I admire about your career from uh, from the little I know about you, and let me remind folks if they're just turning on their radios or just tuning into it, Frank Beecham is our very special guest. Uh, go to BeechamJournal.com, and that's, uh, that's where I like to read his writings and his musings. Uh, just tremendous writer, and he covers a lot of ground, a lot of music. Frank McKay here with Frank Beecham. But one of the things is that you've adjusted over the years and, you know, you've you've covered uh, again, you've mentioned uh, presidential and you've mentioned wars and uh, all, all the biggies. But you've adjusted to social media and a lot of your colleagues in print media haven't. And yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing. I um in, in my earlier days, I, I wrote for some magazines and one of the clients that I covered was the MIT Media Lab. And I got to know Nicholas Negroponte when he was the head of that lab. And he was an advocate of journalists creating their own websites and creating their own brand and, um, and, and, and you know, finding a way for them to go around publications. And um, he is the guy that really got me on the Internet because I was on there early and, um, and, and kind of turned me on to the fact that um, – and this is something he said to me, is that the great challenge of the future is not learning, but it's lifelong learning and reinventing yourself. Um, and he told me that in the future, and I think we're in that future now, is that most people will go through 14 job changes in their life. And that's something that's totally different from what it used to be. Because then they, you know, after World War II, a lot of people would have one job their entire life. Now you not only have to retrain and re um, reinvent yourself, but you have to do it far more frequently, probably every five to ten years at, at least. And that's a different world. Yeah, it is totally I, different. Well, you're bringing up a good point, and. And, and you didn't go as back back as far. I thought you were going to say when you were a blacksmith, you were a blacksmith for life, or when you were, were a... Uh, uh, no, uh, it was actually World War II. Yeah, right. Because I know when my own father worked for one company his whole life, and he would give me the old thing of, well, you follow in your father's footsteps, work for a company, they take care of you. This was the, the old the thinking of that era. And um, fortunately, I ignored all of it and didn't follow any of it because uh, I would have been where most people are today that invested in a company that fired them and laid them off you know because that's exactly what would have happened to you do you and I know you see it as a necessity as do I and you were wise to get uh, you know actively involved with social media at the right time at, at the you know at the beginning right I mean really at the at the beginning of it and and you've grown with it uh, do you see this not only a necessity, but do you see it as a positive thing for our culture? Do you see it as no. you don't? <laughs> I, I don't. In fact, if I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't do it. Um, I don't see 
the internet in general as a positive thing. I think it is. Um, I think this presidential election is a good example of what's happened um, when you get all of these diverse uh, viewpoints and uh, and you, you you fragment people and uh, and you get um, you get the kind of culture we've got now. And I think that's because of the internet, social media, and this kind of thing. Now, I do it because I feel I have to as a business thing to survive. Um, but I don't make money on it. And um, I know musicians, who, you know, we talked about I, I cover music, mainly because I like music. But um, if you look at a musician who is dependent on the Internet, it's very hard to make any money anymore. Um, they get pennies for writing songs that are major hits. Um, so it's it's a difficult thing. I'm fortunate in that the written word, uh, though it has changed, and I think we are moving to a culture where video is replacing the written word as a major form of communication. Um, but I think that um, th th this is a, a fundamental change, and I don't know, I don't see it as being really good for the culture. I, I don't. But that's my opinion, and everybody's got one, believe me. So don't, don't take it for any more than that. Yeah, I don't think, listen, if anybody's listening and are offended by that, they, they've got to get a life or they've got to do something. And, and Well, you know, you, you, have to, you have to live in your time, and you have to do what you have to do to survive. Um, and I don't, um, you know, I, I write a lot of stories about people uh, in the past, and they did things, and you say, well, by today's standards, it was really bad, it was evil, or whatever. But I don't see people as being basically wrong or evil. I think they do what they think they have to do to survive in their time. And each era is different. Um, if I were a younger person starting out today, I would have to really figure out what I was going to do. Um, I don't, you know, if you were following uh, in the idea of becoming a journalist, I'm not even sure what a journalist is anymore. Um, and I don't, I think that that's a real serious question. Now, there are journalism schools that will take your money and try to teach you this stuff. But when it comes down to making a living at it, it's a very different situation. Yeah, well, no question. And, and that's a, a favorite subject of mine. What is happening to journalism? And, and is it, do you have to redefine what it is? Frank McKay here with, with journalist Frank Beecham. And he is, uh, if you go to BeachumJournal.com, you will see some wonderful writing from him on everything from music to well, everything. Just ch check him out, please. Frank McKay with Frank Beecham uh, as we speak. And let's let's talk about that, right? And, and again, I'm no journalist. I don't pretend to be a journalist. But I do see a lot of folks on TV that have the name journalist under them or in their resume they have the, uh, the word journalist. And... If you look at what is it, the American Journalism Association, they have a code of ethics, and as I look at these people, they're breaking that code of ethics every second that they're they're talking. So, absolutely, so, absolutely. I don't even refer to myself as a journalist. I mean, at one time, that's what other people call me. I see myself as a writer, and I see myself as an independent writer, one who looks for jobs. I write books for other people. I write articles on how for hire. 
I do projects that are my own, and then I try to option them for film projects, that kind of thing. So I, I, I try to combine a number of different writing disciplines in, in order to um, to create an income for myself. But as for, say, someone who is a, um, a reporter for, say, a, 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 a cable news channel, um, I, I see all of these as, as different sorts of advocates now. Um, you got Fox, you got CNN. I mean, none of them are truly objective. They each have a point of view. And I don't see that as certainly not the old-fashioned kind of journalism, um, where you had a, um, you know, there was an objective of trying to tell the truth. Uh, I don't I don't think that's as um, prevalent today. I mean, there are still places like the, the Washington Post and the New York Times and all that are pretty much dedicated to trying to get it right. But... Um, most uh, organizations that claim to be news organizations are very um, biased in in their opinion. They always have been, by the way. I mean, there's never. I've worked for a lot of organizations, and um, they're all owned by individuals, and all individuals have bias. So it's just gotten so that it's they've now found a way to get around. Um, the old who, when, where, what, just the facts, man. That's not so uh, true anymore. Well, when you have, uh, you know, the, the award for journalism, uh, you know, and a prominent award, and every journalist in the world would love to win a Pulitzer, uh, the, the man it was named after really was a, was a yellow journalist. I mean, let's face it, right? I mean, he was, uh, he, he was uh, very biased in his, own, uh, in his own right. So I don't know. Uh, what well, I will tell you this. I know Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists and photographers who are out of jobs. Um, it, I don't think it means so much. Uh, it might have, it might have used to have meant more, but it certainly won't buy you a cup of coffee in New York City. Um, and uh, you still have to find an income model to do this on your own. Um, it, it's just a fact of life. I mean, this stuff won't won't get you the money you need to survive in today's world. Well, that's I mean, that's a very good point. I know one of my sons, and I won't I, I won't out him on this, but he uh, was offered a job, you know, out of state to uh, you know to write for a print uh, print media company. And I said to him, right. whatever you want to do, but no, what? Come on, really think about this. That that. Company's not even going to be around, or that newspaper is going to be down to nothing, uh, you know. By the time you start developing, and if you want to use it as a stepping stone, then it's fine. But uh, don't don't expect to make a living writing for a print news. Uh, well, you know, you got you got organizations here in New York City, uh, especially television shows and channels and all on cable, where the parents of kids literally have to pay for them to get an internship to work for nothing. Uh, not to mention they have to pay for their living expenses to be in the city. Um, and one looks at this and you say, why? Well, what is the end goal? And um, I'm not really sure what it is. Uh, it, it, it's a really difficult and complex situation, and I don't really know the answer. BeachumJournal.com is somewhere you should visit and, and 
look up this man, Frank Beecham. Uh, the spelling is B-E-A-C-H-A-M. Is that correct, Frank? That's correct. You and, got it. And again, Frank McKay here with uh, a wonderful writer. I won't call him a journalist. He's a very honest man, and he's a he's a writer, and he's been doing it well, for many years. Well, thank you. That, 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 that helps a lot right there. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> hey, now, you're, you're a city guy for the last, New York City guy for the last 25 years. And, and yeah. we're, we're speaking to a lot of folks right now in different parts of Florida and on Long Island. And one of the things in, in Manhattan that uh, gets me think not only in Manhattan, but in the, in the city, is that the Wi-Fi is very bad down in the subways. And I imagine it's getting better. And as soon as it gets better, uh, newsprint better say goodbye to whatever little you know, uh, circulation they have because that you still see people walking onto subways or onto the LIR, uh, LIRR um, with, uh, with newspapers. I don't think you're going to see that once the Wi-Fi gets better on the subway. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think you're probably right. Uh, look, print is, is an old medium. A lot of people still prefer it. Um, but you know, take electronic books. You know, you know, you had e-books were going to replace regular books, and now they're fading away, and books are coming back. My, my take on this is that all of these media will find little niches, and people will use them. Um, and probably for the next twenty, twenty-five years, there will be people who read newspapers and prefer newspapers. Whether that newspapers will survive is another question. Uh, as for Wi-Fi, um, it's going to take it a long time before it is ubiquitous and it works everywhere. Uh, and um, I, I think that at some point all of it will change, and it always does. But I think it always takes longer than people predict. And um, I, I think that we will, um, you know, over time see it gradually shift away. And I'm not even sure Wi-Fi. Uh, remember, you, you video's replacing text and audio, and um, it takes a lot of bandwidth for video. So I, I think that it's going to it's going to take a while. Uh, that that's it always seems to take longer than people predict. Well, listen, that being said, we have about two and a half minutes left with Frank Beecham, just a, a great writer, really wonderful. BeechamJournal.com is where I would go, uh, although he's got so many uh, social media sites and, and, uh, and different sites out there. But Google him, Frank Beecham. Uh, he's just a wonderful writer. Frank McKay here. Uh, what's, what's your plan, uh, not just for the rest of the year, but what's your, your general plan? Do you have... Uh, do, even at this point in your career, do you have set goals? Are you just kind of going with yeah, the Yeah, no, I look, I look for projects. You know, one of the things that I've learned um, is projects find me rather than me find them. And it's always been that way. It's, I, I don't know how to explain it, but um, I, I will be somewhere or some event and something will happen and I'll say, wow, that's an interesting idea. And I'll follow up, and sometimes I spend 15 years on it, you know, writing a book. Other times I move on. Sometimes it's it's an article. Another time I'm doing a book right now with Harvey Brooks, who is the great bass player, and he found me on Facebook. Um, and I've learned a huge amount, and um, we have a really good relationship. Well, that was a project that found me because of social media. And um, I, I, so I try to keep an open mind and see what falls my way. That, that's what I think a, a writer kind of has to do. You can't plan it too, 
too critically because you'll then box yourself into a corner. How many books have you been part of? How many books have you uh, have you put out? I've written four or five, um, and I've worked on a bunch of them. I've even lost count. Um, as far as co-authoring, where, where you're writing a book with someone, this is the fourth one I've done. And I, I, I did it with Harvey because he's a, he's played with Bob Dylan and Miles Davis, and Everybody. he's a, a, yeah. a major guy. And I thought, oh, this would be a great opportunity. And it's just been... A, an amazing uh, role. And I I interviewed Graham Nash yesterday, and I interviewed the people in the Doors and John Sebastian, all of these people because of Harvey. And um, it's uh, it's really remarkable. Really remarkable. we got to have a whole different interview just on that alone, and I look forward to to seeing that uh, and reading that book. Frank Beecham, thanks for being here. Okay, thank you, and I, I enjoyed being on your show. Frank McKay Take here. Care now. Thank you. Frank McKay here signing off. Frank Beecham has been our very special guest. BeechamJournal.com is the website. Frank Beecham has been our guest. We'll see you next time on.